Moneyball is the 2003 book, which I didn't read, that preceded the 2011 movie that I watched six years ago and didn't really understand at the time. It details the incredible story of the general manager of the Oakland A's and his fight to reach the World Series with an extremely low budget. As the story goes, a young Peter Brand has just finished a fancy business degree at Yale and wants to help our hero turn the game on its head. You see, recruiting in baseball worked the same way for the better part of a century. Players were often assessed like dogs at a dog show. Nice balls, recruiters would say. Good posture. He's well taken care of. One might say, while spitting into one of those gross spittoon things, <laughs> nice form. An old guy from Brooklyn probably said, He'd make a great breeder. Let's take another look at the balls, Mike. <laughs> and we joke. But this was a key component of how players were being judged. It was a ton of this. And statistical analysis went as far as number of stolen bases, runs batted in, and batting average, which is pretty weak. So Peter Brand... And Billy Bean, who's the GM mentioned earlier, decided to go into this thing like a couple of fancy business people. Buy low, sell high. How good do they do at baseball? Are the other players nice and cheap? Do they put meat in the seats? We're oversimplifying here, of course. (laughs) But the gist is this. A bunch of old hats have always strategized this way, and when business-minded folks came in, they did more with less because they know what really matters. They know how to boil it down to the real, raw, relevant data points, and armed with that knowledge, they were able to build a winning strategy at a low price. Today, we're going to take a look at the shiniest, sharpest, smart guy businessman environment in the whole world. We are going to dive into the Silicon Valley startup culture. We'll be telling a story of an infamous participant in this culture, Mr. Adam Newman. And we'll be diving into his story, his startups, his controversies, and the relationships that put him on the very top. And hopefully by doing all this, we can determine how the big venture capital disruptors pick their all-stars. And perhaps we can figure out whether or not Other professions, similar to baseball, need to get up with the times. I'm Money Mike. And I'm Rad Bill. And... Okay, so the last series was a toughie. So we figured we would round out the year with a really fucking easy one. Great idea. We are picking the low-hanging fruit for this episode, guys. This is the (laughs) apple that's fallen off the tree and has fermented, where, like, eating it makes you dumber. This apple will get you drunk. This apple is sending you to the doctor. No doctor repellent here. We're doing Adam Newman, the founder of WeWork, and we're going to use his story as a vehicle to explore the startup world and the blitz scaling model so popular to startups in the last decade. And lastly, the supposed intelligence inherent to venture capital. So Adam Newman, Adam Newman began life in Tel Aviv, Israel. According to our sources, his dad was an ophthalmologist and his mother was an oncologist. I know what both of those doctoring professions are. I'm just not going to tell you. (laughs) Lots of ologists in Adam's family. Yes, tons of those. (laughs) Yes, very fancy family. Adam has dyslexia, you see, and was unable to read 
this is just as a fun fact. The two doctor parents, Adam was dyslexic and was unable to read until he was in the third grade. Being illiterate and making it to the third grade is probably the most impressive achievement that Adam has done in his life. Spoiler alert. Also, being a being an illiterate eight-year-old <laughs> to doctor parents must be soul-crushing. Oh, it's gotta be fucking brutal, dude. <laughs> I would have had so much beef with mom and dad if if that was the dynamic in my household. <laughs> Rich parents probably helped with the illiteracy and coping to the environment in the wake of having dyslexia. But I'm, I'm sure even that advantage only took him so far. And as a note, we found a ton of extremely successful entrepreneurs that are dyslexic. But again, Adam is probably not one that young aspiring entrepreneurs with dyslexia should look up to for inspiration. There are a lot more inspirational people with dyslexia out there. Yeah, we're going to be making fun of Adam a lot in this series because he's a stupid idiot. And we want to emphasize here that his dyslexia is separate yes, to yes. his stupid idiotitis. There are two completely different things that just happen to be coinciding here. Absolutely. So, Adam has a younger sister. And when he was seven, his parents divorced. Before he was 22, he would wind up living in 22 different homes. He attended school near the Gaza Strip, and in his teens, he lived in a kibbutz, which is a small collective community common pretty much exclusively to Israel. Niram is the name of this specific kibbutz, and I'm definitely mispronouncing that, but it houses a startup incubator, which is interesting, and it's unusual even among kibbutzes, kibbutzes? in Israel. More so, it's an interesting feature for a community with just 290 people. But he got through school somehow and enlisted in the IDF shortly afterwards, as is compulsory for Israeli citizens. However, he served for five years where only three are required. Afterwards, he shipped off to New York City, where he lived humbly, splitting a Tribeca flat with his sister and hitting on every girl in New York, as he told graduates in a 2017 commencement speech. Lucky break. But... He enrolled at Baruch College in 2002, where he majored in business. Apparently, this is where the concept for We Live was born, which we'll get to. Adam shat out this idea during an entrepreneurial competition at the school, and he was knocked out in round two because a professor didn't think he would be able to raise the capital required to, and I'm quoting, change the way people live. Yeah, I don't know how impressive it is that he made it to round two, but if that's a big achievement, that's an L for Baruch College. <laughs> for real, right? <laughs> yeah, I really hope that that's like a formality where round one is just for the people who didn't write their names yeah. on their projects. <laughs> round something. one is, did you turn it in? Yeah. <laughs> it was during his time at Baruch that Adam met the woman he would ultimately marry, Rebecca Paltrow. And that last name may be ringing some bells, because Rebecca is in fact a cousin of a famous and very above-board A-list <laughs> celebrity, a Miss Gwyneth Paltrow. With that, obviously Rebecca comes from some pretty considerable wealth, so any slack we could give old Adam for his parents being mere doctors is at this point gone. By the way, definitely doing an episode on old Gwen here at some point. Dude, Gwyneth Paltrow sucks so immensely 
everything I read about her, I don't even have to read the article. I'll just, like, happen upon a headline about Gwyneth Paltrow. It's like, oh, selling goop or whatever it is. An episode about Gwyneth Paltrow. How the fuck are we all walking around calling this woman Gwyneth unironically? <laughs> An episode about her, I, I feel like would be a cool way to explore like celebrity, being a celebrity and using that as a tool for promotion. I bet that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do a lot of celebrities on here because, well, I feel like forming parasocial relationships with celebrities is uh, diagnosable. But anyway, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> <laughs> So Adam credits his lovely wife, Rebecca, for pressuring him to stop smoking cigarettes, I guess. We in the business call that foreshadowing. And pursue his passions instead of his dreams of being rich. We can infer that he listened to his lover's advice and decided that his passions consisted of two absolutely groundbreaking business ideas. A shoe with a collapsible heel and clothes for babies with built-in knee pads. Yeah, basically, he was like, hey, have you ever seen those cargo pants with, like, the zip-off lower part? What if we did that for high heels? <laughs> <laughs> and his second idea was, I wonder if babies' knees ever hurt from crawling so much. And I guess he realized that Healy's was already trademarked, so he drops the, this first idea and threw himself into making these knee-padded baby clothes, calling the idea crawlers. So I don't think it hurts babies' knees. And I maybe I've told you this story, but I was at like a pool at some point in my childhood, already old enough to realize the damage that this could do to me, but I watched a six- or seven-year-old kid who is standing on that rubbery cement shit that goes around pools. And he jumped off of his feet and just all knees. It was just, he oh. like dropped that digit. I heard his knees hit it and I made the noise you just made. And he just got up and kept playing. The kids have invincible fucking knees. Dude, I believe that children, they don't have pain receptors. They just look around to see if what just happened to them should hurt. So... Newman has a startup in hand already. He's got these knee-padded baby clothes, so he does what all great visionaries do at this point, and dropped out of college to pursue an idea that would only impress someone with a joint in their hand. <laughs> Fun fact, by the way, he had four credits separating him from his degree at this point. Why? Dude, how did that make it past mom and dad? I mean, Jesus he ultimately wound up finishing the degree in 2017, and that's where he delivered the commencement speech where he told everyone about how many girls he was hitting on and stuff like that. Talking about how many girls you hit on at, like, 22, haha, we can all have a fun time with it, 15 years later, ugh. I'm 37 now, but back in my day, I hit on a crazy number of girls. <laughs> Yikes. So... After he dropped out, he turned his baby knee pad idea into the company Egg Baby. And mm. we didn't talk about it earlier, but I've seen a few pictures of, the, of these pants. And picture Jinko jeans on toddlers. Like those baggy trip pants with weird embroidery in the legs. And they look about as comfortable as a stealable thong. That was the idea. That was his billion dollar baby. Th that was it. That was the result of almost a college degree. And as Newman was launching Egg Baby, he was introduced to Miguel McKelvey, their mutual friend. 
And according to a couple different articles I read, they, quote, bonded over their backgrounds and competitive streaks. And Miguel convinced Adam to move his Egg Baby offices into the Brooklyn building that he was working in. Mm. However, like many fledgling startups, Adam and Miguel were pretty strapped for cash. So they convinced their landlord to allow them to sublease a part of their rented space to help you know, put some money in their pockets. And thus, the core idea of WeWork was born. This is pretty much the equivalent of subleasing one of the rooms in your apartment because you were too broke to make rent and then thinking, everyone will want to do this. <laughs> However, in 2008, the idea had much more potential than knee pad baby clothing. And mm-hmm. the pair decided to open Green Desk which was an eco-friendly co-working space. And by 2009, the company had over 100 workspaces that brought in between $350 and $2,400 a month. So they decided to sell their shares to the landlord that initially helped them sublease their space to begin with and founded WeWork. Adam's wife, Rebecca, was also a co-founder. That's right. Now, WeWork was just an idea when it got its first big investment. Miguel and Adam were actually running into a little turbulence at that time. See, even though they may have liked the idea, a lot of landlords in New York were unable to offer space. However, as the duo notes, there was no shortage from these landlords of words of encouragement for Nick and Adam. Yeah, people always talk about how New Yorkers are so mean, but if you're a pretty girl or have a business startup idea, they apparently are super nice to you. That's it, man. Landlords <laughs> cheered the two on, saying things like, co-working spaces are everywhere, and they always die when the market recedes. Why the fuck do I need you when I can just rent this space out in smaller increments on my own? Let's definitely not forget the ever-common, hasn't Regis been doing this for like 20 fucking years? Yeah, let's just make that abundantly clear. This was not a new idea. The company that Rad Bill is referring to, Regis, became publicly traded on the London Stock Exchange in 2000. So a decade before, this idea was a publicly traded idea. Yep. Adam and Miguel were laughed off stage. That's what really happened here. But it was during this time that Adam and Miguel met Joel Schreiber, who liked the idea even more than all those landlords. Unfortunately, though, he didn't have any real estate to offer them. They'd hit another dead end. But Joel still wanted to be a part of the organization or concept, if you will, and asked Adam what the business was worth. Now, Adam knew it was only a matter of time before people began asking this question, and he'd been planning for this moment ever since Joel asked him what he thought the company was worth minutes ago. He informed Joel accordingly. Oh, man, yeah, if I had to give you, like, an exact number for the value of this idea... like so huge i'd probably have to say an exact number like 45 million dollars or something i don't know now any great businessman knows that adam has just made a pretty big mistake good idea or not this is new york and joel is three years past rallying investors on his own to buy 536 broadway for almost 200 million dollars he's no stranger to valuations adam has just blurted out a random number with no backing And this is the part where, for the first time, Adam is going to be pretty publicly exposed as a complete... Hold on, I'm getting a call. Never mind. This is the part where Joel gives Adam $15 million for 33% of the company. Which is 
bonkers for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but it plays a really pivotal role in the direction that this little enterprise is headed. You mm-hmm. see, and we've talked about this on the show a couple times, one of the biggest challenges with startups, especially in this phase of development, is determining how much they're worth. A lot of the traditional valuation methodologies just don't really work. The conversion of an interesting idea with a skeletal framework to actual currency can involve a ton of inference, and at times it can be almost a complete guess. However, when someone injects cash into a business like this, it validates that valuation, which then promotes more people to inject actual money, which will then boost future valuations and so on and so forth. This cycle of injection and valuation can create a snowball effect that can propel a startup valuation into the absolute stratosphere if enough people can buy in and put their money where their mouth is. Mm -hmm. So the first WeWork office was in an old building in Soho. The lease for the space was just five years and all of their customers signed month-to-month agreements, which is not a very smart way to establish a real estate business and could spell out disaster for a burgeoning company that doesn't have $15 million lying around. And, And this is key. So for a real estate business, what you essentially want to do is lock in a low rate for the long term in a market where the rents around you are going to continue to climb quickly. And then essentially what you do is collect the difference between the premium that your short-term tenants are paying and the long-term lease that you are paying. Again, this is not new. I mean, th- mm-hmm. this is this is fucking finance 101. Yeah. Another thing that you can do to increase the amount of money that you're bringing in is adding amenities to charge for. Yeah. In this property, the first thing they said is, hey, we're going to add a gym and a park is going to be going in across the street soon, which again is going to make the property more valuable. Yes. Neither of these two things ever came to fruition, but yes, it would have. (laughs) Which you will see is a repeated theme in Adam Newman's business strategy. It's things are big things coming and we'll see. Nothing come. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So at first pass, this model sounds maybe kind of cool, maybe a little exciting, but I'm going to assure you here that it is neither of those things. The margins are thin and can take a long time to realize. Mm -hmm. And the upfront cost is massive. And if the market recedes, all of your tenants are going to start leaving, which means bye-bye to those bare-bones margins you had to begin with. If anyone listening has ever been to a Regis, which is a more established co-working company, they can vouch that with a few ironic exceptions, which we'll cover soon, a lot of these spaces are boring. The whole place is done up in consignment beige. Typical office carpeting abounds. They get in cheap and the profits are modest. I read a investor report from Regis from like 10 years ago that said that on average they spend $135,000 upfitting a Regis space, which that is not a lot of money for a floor of office space. That is bare ass bones. That's like a new coat of paint on the wall. That's like painting over the cockroaches. That's it. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And even then, as the market recedes, Regis is still getting creamed. You're fucked. You're fucked. But we do have to remember, this is 2010? 2010, I think. This is 2010. Yeah. When 
the real estate market is looking good and rates are at record lows. Yes. So keep that in mind. Keep in mind that Regis is a big but a pretty boring company. It is rank-and-file co-working as a component of the greater commercial real estate industry. It's an old story. They have 7 million customers, 4,000 locations. They're 35 years into the game, and they have a market cap at time of recording of $1.96 billion. There's a watermark for us. Now, given the near identical nature of the overall business model, you would expect a similar valuation for WeWork, but here's the thing. WeWork was not a real estate company. WeWork is a tech company. Regis, according to its website, helps businesses find the right way to work. WeWork's mission is to elevate the world's consciousness. Whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, that's a thing that Adam really said to people. Yeah. He said that to people. And those people gave him money afterwards. <laughs> and said it to other people like, this guy's a genius. We have CNBC articles that actually quote WeWork as being a company seeking to change the world's consciousness. That's crazy. That is bananas. <laughs> so I want to highlight this. The importance of being a tech company versus a real estate company all goes back to valuation. Yes. Tech companies are, this is very much oversimplifying it, but when you look at multipliers for certain things like EBITDA, customers and all this shit, tech companies get a huge boost over real estate companies just because of the type of business. So the fact that Adam Newman was able to mask a boring old real estate idea as a tech company <laughs> made his valuations exponentially higher. Everyone else is going in and saying, oh, it's a real estate company. We help people find place to work. And Adam comes in with investors abound and says, you call it a real estate company. I call it the world's first physical social network. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> he fucking said Genius. We need to move on. But like, this goes back to the idea is Adam Newman a moron or is everyone else around him just a little bit stupider? I don't know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he said shit like this to his wife's friends and family to get an additional almost $7 million. Yes. $6.85 million came from telling people in the Paltrow family that he's creating the first physical social network. And, okay, let's cut them some slack. These people are related to and or friendly with the Paltros. None of them have ever been to jail, for sure, <laughs> or even tried to rip someone off, ever. Ah, they can't they, be blamed. Paltrow, they pretty actively trust to rip people off. But we'll get to that in her episode. <laughs> True that. <laughs> so, as Adam tells it, the WeWork team was pretty picky about who they chose to take investments from. <clears throat> and I'm quoting this. This is a direct quote from one of our sources. We try to choose only we investors, not just anyone we uh, who offers us money. Investors who have a we mentality, which means they care about the bigger picture and think collaboration is the future of innovation. 
This is a stupid oh, saying that means basically nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> it means literally nothing, actually. <laughs> Ultimately, though, this $6.85 million allowed WeWork to grow substantially. And in 2012, when Benchmark was introduced to Adam Newman, WeWork had a vast network of over seven offices in more than two cities. Uh, that's actually three cities total. And these seven offices housed around 4,000 members. So Benchmark knew the math. A pretty good percentage of these seven leases were set to run for 15 years, which would soon become typical for WeWork. But one of the founding partners of Benchmark Capital, a Mr. Bruce Dunleavy, wanted to see what was really going on. So he flew out to see what made WeWork different. It was like eBay, which was one of Benchmark's early investments. There was something going on with both that and this you couldn't quite put your finger on. <laughs> At the end of the day, Benchmark knows what separates one from the pack. Good posture. Teeth look good. Nice round pair of balls. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and to this end, Adam was truly best in show. So Benchmark invested $16.5 million for a 16.5% stake of WeWork, valuing the company at $100 million. So... For anyone wondering if we're just being assholes about this, at this time, Regis had 1,411 locations. I'm going to use very simple math here and say that because it had 35% of the locations it has today, if everything else was constant and the value of Regis at that time was also just 35% of what it is today, Regis would be worth about $680 million. This is weird fucking math. Nonetheless, Adam took this new money and added two more locations in 2013, at which point Jefferies, an investment bank, led a May 2013 investment round with a $9 million investment that valued WeWork, which would be nine locations strong by year end, at $450 million. Just to summarize, Regis had over 1,400 locations and was worth a little under $700 million. Yep. WeWork had nine locations, not even a percent of that. Yep. And was worth $450 million. Yes. This is a big win for WeWork. But it was short-lived because WeWork yep, yeah. caught the attention of Wall Street legend and Congress room hard-ass Jamie Dimon. Mm. who is the CEO of J.P. Morgan. And we all know Jamie Dimon doesn't put up with any bullshit. That's right. And in February of 2014, J.P. Morgan decided it was time for a reality check. So they sat Adam down, looked him square in the eye, and gave him $150 million <laughs> with WeWork, valuing it at $1.5 billion. Dollars. Billion with a B. <laughs> the company, now a unicorn, would add 14 more offices to their portfolio, bringing the count to 23 offices total. And that is where we'll pick up next time. I'll just give you a little peek behind the curtain. We've talked about a lot of numbers and boring stuff this time. It gets so much more fun in the yep. next chapter of WeWork. Yes.
Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tune in for the next episode. We'll put them on crutches. This one focused primarily on the venture capitalists who brought it to unicorn status. Yes. And what they were looking at, what they saw, and what they knew otherwise. The next episode is going to be focused a whole lot more on Adam and a whole lot more on his managerial style. Yes. Please, if you have any questions or additional requests, check us out. Shoot us something on Reddit or drop us a line on our email. We'll include both in the down there thingy part. And otherwise, be sure to subscribe or comment. And thank you so much for listening. Hell yeah. We'll talk to you guys next week. Absolutely. Uh, Uh, goodbye. Goodbye.